1: Nice
2: your yes, yes, no. From the Dave Campbell's Texas football mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas football today, a show on the Internet for reals. We are here. Yeah, my name's Greg Tepper. <laughs> I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or listen to us in the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley the Pickle Pickle.
0: Your creativity just is really flowing this morning, isn't it?
2: (laughs) He doesn't miss. He (laughs) doesn't (laughs) miss. Today is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. 72 days till Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Nas. Nas is 48 today. Mm. Happy birthday to maybe the goat? Maybe the goat. Nas might be the greatest rapper of all time.
0: That's a big statement.
2: Happy birthday to Nas. Today's episode 1240. On today's show, guys, big beefy show for you today. We're gonna run through the college football weekend uh by revisiting our college football burning questions. Uh we'll get to that. Then we'll talk to Craig Way, Texas High School Tuesdays. Football Hall of Famer. I don't know, I don't like when you yell at me. Um the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer joins us every Tuesday. We'll talk to him here in a little bit. Then back after the show, a couple of fun things. Yeah. We got the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top Ten Plays of the Week presented by our friends at Body Armor. Yeet. Right. Uh, <laughs> top 10 plays of the week coming at you. And then uh, at the very end, uh, we're going to wrap up our week-long celebration of El Paso uh, by showing you, by debuting the vlog, Our our awesome... Uh, El Paso vlog. We had an awesome time and we want to take you along for the ride. Uh, you will not want to miss this coming up here at the back half of the program. Do we have first four through the door?
0: We sure do. It was Tony Blaylock, Coach Terry Crawford, Nicholas Morton, and Rob Hathaway. Welcome in, fellas. Howdy, howdy,
2: howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome on in. That was a lot of howdies. Howdy, 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 howdy. More howdies? More Less howdies. howdies.
0: Always more howdies.
2: Pickle the Dave Campbell's Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha will recognize 10 influential texas high school football athletes who are leaders both on and off the field uh this week uh, we want to honor our friends at uh south oak cliff uh and wide receiver horace bradshaw uh who is our impactful leadership award winner uh the senior wide receiver there at south oak cliff this week they will be taking on dallas hillcrest uh, in a big game there, a district game in district or uh, in f- uh, 5A Division Two, uh, but we want to shout out uh, South Oak Cliff senior wide receiver Horace Bradshaw, this week's recipient of the Dave Campbell's Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. All right, pickle. Did you watch any college football this weekend? Sure did. Yeah. Yep. Did you call, catch a couple snaps? Catch, caught a couple couple snaps. couple snaps. So then, the way that we're going to recap the football weekend, which, as we mentioned yesterday, nobody liked, (laughs) um, we are going to run back through our burning questions and see how those ended up being answered. So, Pickle,
0: what was our first question? Our first question was, what chance do you give Rice to win its first (sighs) Bayou Bucket since 2010? And
2: (laughs) do you want me to say Uh, the final
0: score there? uh,
2: The the answer is... uh, uh, not much, yeah. Not much of a, not much of a chance. It was forty-four to seven. Forty-four-seven. First of all, give a lot of credit to Houston. And mm. and by the way, if you're interested, um, as far as like, if you're into that win probability thing, which I always am, if you're into the win probability thing, this thing became fate accompli about halfway through the game. Um, that's when things got very, very, very bad. Let's see if I can find the exact time. Um, but anyway, they it it did not go great for them. Um, for for well, let, first of all, let's talk about Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston's offense woke up in a big way. Yeah, forty nine percent of their plays were what you would call successful plays, which means that that increased their what we call their expected points. Uh, 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 their expected points average. Um, they were really really good mm-hmm. uh, offensively. They averaged more, nearly six yards a play. Um, they. They had a really nice pass run pass split right at about fifty percent, fifty two percent pass. Um, I thought Clayton Toon was was strong in this game, and and look, the defense I think also came up with big plays. They were in the backfield, they were um, they were causing havoc. They got came up with mm-hmm. four sacks, um, a really really impressive performance all around from Houston. So give a lot of credit to them. So for Rice, um, well. The that defense, defense was just too much. The defense <laughs> got got over, or the defense was, I think, left on the field too long, mm-hmm. and then also their offense just completely and totally 100% cratered. Um, Luke McCaffrey was bad in this game. Nine of 17 for 86 yards. Two interceptions. Mm-hmm. He was bad. They weren't able to run the ball. I mean, they were they were able to run the ball a fair amount. Like Kalen Griffin was probably their best player on the yeah. on the night. Jordan Myers had a nice day, nice decent day too. But overall, there was that. And then the defense just, I think, completely, completely cratered. And it almost um, did not feel
0: to you like they almost went in and like looked scared. It was a like bit of that. that. It felt like they went out there and just kind of laid down.
2: A little bit of that, you know. I will say that I didn't think that from the offensive line perspective. I don't know if Houston overwhelmed me or Rice overwhelmed me. I thought they were both kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they came, Houston came up with a couple of sacks, so there's there's something there. But I also think that overall, this is just not a good performance from Rice. Mm-hmm. So uh, credit to Houston. They woke up in a big, big way, and 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 certainly.
1: They got done. What they answered any questions that
2: we had, Uh, but that was uh, that was certainly something that I was um, I was I don't know if I was necessarily expecting that was Mm -hmm. was for them to get not that bad. So uh, a credit to Houston certainly. What's next, pickle?
0: Up next, we head to um, SMU and UNT. Who is this game Uh, more important to? The final score on that one: the Ponies thirty-five at UNT twelve.
2: Is this the point where I just take Seth Luttrell to task? Seth Latrell kicked two field goals yeah. within the five yard line within the six yard line it of was SMU the six, yeah. um, to go up six nothing. Buddy. You don't win friends with Salad and you don't win football games with field goals, especially against SMU. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what they're thinking.
0: Especially here. not that at is, their home I'm, stadium. I just don't like, I didn't
2: understand that at all. I think I think if you were Sonny Dykes on the other side of the on the other sideline, I think you were thrilled that he was kicking field goals. You're like, oh, yes, yeah. awesome, fantastic. A a a a really really disappointing performance there. I thought from from Coach Luttrell. I thought that was disappointing. And and by the way, the offense just never got basically never got close again. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like, or by the time they got close again, they were it was over and they were. <sighs> Like, one of the pro- here's one of the problems I'm seeing with North Texas. Is their defense, let's just say for the sake of argument, I think their defense is a little bit better. Their defense is a little bit better. Yes. A little bit. I don't think they're the worst defense in the nation, which is maybe what they were last
0: I was going to say, it would be in, almost nearly impossible to, get to be as bad or worse but than their, they were last their year.
2: Their offense has, in my opinion, very clearly taken a step back as far as explosiveness mm-hmm. is concerned and that's always been a hallmark for them. Now, give a lot of credit to SMU. SMU came out, and they took it. I thought that they played... I thought SMU played fine. I didn't they think,
0: weren't exceptional I, by any stretch. I didn't
2: think that they were spectacular. And and by the way, this is one of those games where people are going to look at the box score, and they're going to be like, oh, well, North Texas had 564 yards of total of total offense. Mm-hmm. I thought that their offense was... I don't want to say bad, but it was pretty pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, for, for, while the game was at least in doubt. And... I don't know they they've certainly lost a little bit of explosiveness when he turns the ball when he loses the turnover margin that's not gonna help either Mm-mm. um yeah i was I was disappointed in, someone in has to put in
0: faith in one of those quarterbacks it's like it's like Craven was saying the other day pick one pick one and go with get, trust him you can
2: not well, have five hundred well yards
0: with, of offense and score twelve points well they
2: went with Jace Ruder and Jace yeah. Ruder goes you know he had i mean he just I just don't think he was very good I think no. he you know he threw two interceptions. You know, 365 yards. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, the it's it's weird to say that a guy who threw for 365 yards and a touchdown didn't have a great game, but I just didn't think he had a great game. You know? uh, I thought that the offense was, was pretty pedestrian. Give a lot of credit to Tanner Mordecai. Uh, 309 yards, four touchdowns receiving. Uh, Ulysses Bentley was awesome in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got a new number one target in Rishi Rice. I think he's a stud. Um, you know, Reggie Roberson, they they, they, were, they were North Texas was pretty sure they weren't going to let Reggie Roberson beat them. Mm-hmm. You know he had, he got targeted six times, so they they went to Reishi Rice, they spread the ball around a little bit. It was impressive for SMU. So uh, as far as who's a more important to North Texas, certainly didn't play like it was important to them. Nope. What's next, Becky?
0: Speaking of not playing like it's important to you, how worried should Texas fans be about the Horns going into a hostile environment? And the answer was quite concerned
2: uh very very concerned and i think that you saw that i (laughs) think they got
0: their pants pulled down
2: i think you saw a team that got bullied up front um which i don't think they were expecting they Mm -hmm. got absolutely dominated up front and that was really really interesting now look i think that the defensive line played okay like if you're talking about if you if you want to talk about places that they were okay i think that the defensive line was okay um for the most part, uh, but they gave up a number of big explosive plays. Mm-hmm. and that ain't gonna cut it. That ain't gonna cut it. Um, you know that, no. that was the thing. on, on balance, I think that the, the Texas defensive front did okay. but they also gave up like nine big runs, and it's like, okay, well, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. Um, I don't know. It was it was a super disappointing like f- talk about fall back to earth. Um, you know, result, and and it all comes back to what they did up front, especially on the offensive line. The over the offensive line was overmatched. Mm-hmm. Now we can talk about the quarterback situation. I didn't think Hudson Card was good. He certainly didn't do anything to give them credit. Mm-hmm. But, but I I don't I, I think he was more or less helpless behind that offensive line. The offensive line got bullied. The and, offensive line got dominated, and
0: that's just really sad for them because in that first game too even though it was a well-rounded game and stuff that offensive line it was like man something doesn't look right here and when you just have that freshman quarterback like that that you can't you can't Mm -hmm. allow people to get
2: back there right it was I think super disappointing and and again like am I am I I mean look it's one of those things that with Texas I think if you told me after two games they'd be after these two games they'd be one and one Mm -hmm. I'd probably be like yeah I'd probably flip them.
0: I was six to say, like, I would definitely say, oh, look at the Raging Cajuns, and they bounce yeah, back against Arkansas. <laughs> I would have like, thought
2: that. Um, but I think that there's obviously still work to do, and especially yeah. up front. That offensive line's got to be better. Um, okay, what's next, Pickle?
0: Well, Ish gave you a solid-ish no on this question, and it proved to be true. Have expectations changed for UTEP after two games? And keep in mind, they were undefeated heading into this game against Boise. And...
2: I don't I don't want to be mean to our friend Dana Demel. I don't want to be mean to our friend Dana Demel. Dan but um they kicked a 33-yard field goal and they kicked uh they were at the 16 and they they kicked the one that the one that drove me nuts. It was Boise State 10. Th- this is the moment. There's 13:26 left in the second quarter. 13:26 mm-hmm. left in the second quarter. It's Boise State 10, UTEP 3. Mm-hmm they're on the f- they're it's fourth and goal at the Boise State 3 you are 25 point underdogs mhm and, and you kick a – playing on the road you kick a 21 <laughs> yard field goal i just i'm sorry that's just that's that's you can't do that you can't do that like no I, and they never got back in the game like they never got back in the game the Boise State scored three touchdowns on their next three possessions and by the time you look up it's 31 to 6 it's like, okay. Um now look, you know, if you're talking about what went wrong for UTEP, like besides everything, um <clears throat> one of the things that really stunk, um their 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 punting situation is bad. Um their punting yeah. situation's bad. Boise State's average starting field position was their own 37. You cannot no. give them that start sort of head start. Um the punting was bad. And I know Especially that's, when seems that's like your a shop like that. <laughs> seems like a small thing, but it is. That was one thing that certainly caught my eye. I thought the offense was um I don't know. Fair. Uh Gavin Hardison I thought was okay in this one. You know, two hundred and fourteen yards. He did throw three picks. Uh, but they
0: needed that defense to do just anything. But there was no there was nothing.
2: There was no running game too. Like there was no running game. And that mm-hmm. was that's what really cratered them. Mm-hmm. The off the, the, the passing game was mm. The running game was and a lot of it was buoyed by a couple of big plays from to Jacob Cowing, but um the running game was bad in this one. And that's you know, between that, the defense really just kind of didn't have an answer uh, especially to the uh, to the passing game for, for Boise State. That they give up uh, how much did they throw for? Three oh one and two touchdowns. I don't know. It was a disappointing disappointing fallback to earth for, for Boise State. Mm-hmm. Or for rather for for, for huge, I was
0: like, not for Boise. <laughs> no, Boise felt pretty good. They felt pretty good. What's next pickle? Let's talk about one of the teams that actually left the weekend happy, and that was UTSA. The question was, Sincere McCormick over under on 149.5 rushing yards. You said yes on this one. I said over. You said over. And
2: he ran four. Where is it? There's no way that's right.
0: Did I have that right? Oh, my God. I can tell you that UTSA shut out Lamar 54-0. to zero Yes. For yeah. anyone who didn't see the yeah, results if of that. Yeah, he didn't see game.
2: that. Let me make sure I pull up there. um. No, Sincere only ran for... 40. That's right, he only ran 46 yards. Yeah. He only ran 46 yards. He only carried the ball seven times. Um, yeah, and then they pulled him. Um, yeah, I mean, no notes for UTSA. They did what they should do against an FCS team. They drilled Lamar. Good job. The under hit. Oh, well. What's next, Pickle? Up next. And a part of that... Re- By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. A part of that reason is because um again UCSA's starting field position was uh their own was their own 37 like they that was their average starting field position
0: but, but punting is not good what's next pick? up next what it was what is Texas State's biggest concern heading
2: forward well um, dub i mean they got a win they got a so win is a win wins are wins and as Ask, 17 ask Texas FIU. if they would like an ugly win yeah. right um so i would say that their biggest concern right now is I know Ish said Well, part Brady of it is McBride. now Jaron Morris is out. What did mm-hmm. you say?
0: Ish said Brady McBride. I Brady McBride that.
2: was not awesome in this game, um, and the offense was not awesome in this game. It's
0: just inconsistent.
2: Um, they ran the ball, actually, relatively well, I thought. Um, you know, McBride and then and, and, uh, Calvin Hill ran the ball well. Brock Sturgis ran for two, two kind of vultured two touchdowns in this game. Um, I would say it's twofold. One is they've got to get more from the passing game. Passing game is, is kind of holding them down, holding them back right now. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would say is uh, their their pass defense has got to get a little bit better. And, and losing Jaron Morris, it sounds like, for the year is certainly not going to help that. A win's a win. You take it. But for Texas State, there are certainly a few red flags that I'm a little bit concerned about. So there you go. what's next, Pickle?
0: Well, here's a question that uh, almost happened: Is this a letdown game for Texas Tech and SFA? Man, almost had their number.
2: I told y'all. Um, final SFA's, twenty-eight, twenty-two. Twenty-eight, on twenty-two. That. SFA's throwing into the end zone on the final play, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, look, I, I will say this: I think the Tech defense is pretty clearly better. One of these, touch, one of those touchdowns was a pick six for um for for SFA mm-hmm. so the defense I think is pretty clearly taking a step forward but there's still obviously a lot to work on offensively a lot to work on offensively and Tyler Shuck has got to be better mm-hmm. um, they were without Ky um, their they Sir Roger Thompson uh, so they went to Taj Boyd again but they were not able to get a ton going on on there and plain and simple they just they turned the ball over too much uh, they've got to be cleaner they've got to be cleaner but again this is the this is the week where we relish in ugly wins. Yep. Ugly <laughs> wins are ugly wins and so tech gets an ugly win. What's next, Pepper?
0: Another slightly ugly win was uh T C U over Cal who will get the most carries for TCU on Saturday, and I think our helmet stickers answered that. I think this we nailed one. it. Yep. Um
2: Zach Evans got the most carries for them. Is that right? Did he have more carries than Max Duggan? That's kind of oh, a question. Ooh. Um That's he had 21 final. carries, Max Duggan at 16.
0: Okay, yeah, final um, score on that one was
2: 34-32. 34-32, and thank goodness because the running game was what really kind of buoyed them, mm-hmm. you know? Now, I think, you know, the, 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 the passing game was just kind of there. Like, Max Duggan threw for three. T- Again, the numbers are impressive, 228 and three touchdowns, but I think that the real difference maker in this game was the running game mm-hmm. um, with Zach Evans, who was, uh, I think, pretty clearly the best player on the field. Max Duggan's probably second. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: I was to say, it's like we talked We talked about that a lot last year. Max Duggan is good for what support, you need though. him to do, but it's like you can't ask him to go out there and do everything, and it looks like maybe they're finally starting to figure that
2: out. Here's what's a little bit concerning is um, Cal was able to hit like five really explosive plays, and Cal, guys, Cal stinks at throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, they stink. Um, and, and so that's a little bit concerning, especially considering there are going to be other teams that t- are on TCU's schedule that can throw the ball a lot better. But again... Ugly wins are still win. Uh, the Solid Verbal, which is an excellent podcast, <laughs> is fond of saying, win your clunkers. Yep. Right? TCU put out a clunker, especially defensively. Yes. Especially defensively, um, and they still won. And and, and that, I think, is, is certainly worth worth celebrating. So, there's that. What's Pickle.
0: Up next, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the Baylor offense? And I believe it was said if they flub this one then the worry yeah. gets high but 66 to 7 uh, 66 to 7
2: every, got their stuff it, everything is is good uh no notes uh their offensive expected points uh of your their EPA was 41.2 which is uh crazy um they were able to do a little bit of everything against Texas Southern uh, mm-hmm. they were able to get Gary Bohannon going they were able to get Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner going that three guys run for more than 100 yeah. yards in this game what's their total yardage 7:37. 37 um, Now, look, let's not go crazy. Texas Southern hasn't won a game on the field since 2018.
0: This is a data trap game. <laughs> this is
2: not just a bad FCS team. This is a, a very bad FCS team. But you know what? If the, if the question was, how worried are you about the Baylor offense? I have certainly downgraded my worry because they looked like against, against the team that they should dominate, they went out there and dominated offensively. What's next, Pickle?
0: On the topic of ugly wins, is this a Ooh, trap game stuff. for Texas A&M the with a score well, and, of 10-7? to 7. It was
2: here. And this is weird because, like, so this is, this is a weird thing. Because I don't know if it's a trap game. I don't know if it's a trap game. How much do you put into the fact of um, Haynes King getting hurt? Yeah. Now, look, here's the thing. Zach Calzada, bad in this game. And I know not he good. got better as as the game went on. He he made a couple of big boy throws in the fourth quarter, including the, the, the game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. pass. But let's be real about this. Zach Calzada was not good in this game. No. He was not. And he has to be better against much better teams in Colorado because it sounds like Haynes King's going to be out at least until the middle of October. And by the way, then he's coming back from a fractured ankle, a fractured tibia. So, like, I mean it may not he may not be 100% right away. Um now give a give a ton of credit to the defense. The defense was spectacular. Yes, and they were almost single-handedly won this game for 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 A&M. Mm-hmm. They are ferocious. They are as advertised. That defense is legit. Mm-hmm. I am a little surprised that they did not give the ball more to neither Devonichan or um, Isaiah Spiller had more than ten yeah. carries. They combined seventeen carries on the game. I don't get that, especially when your starting quarterback goes down.
0: No, I expected that the ball to be in their hands the entire time.
2: But give a lot of credit uh to the defense which held them in. There are big questions now moving forward as to what this offense looks like without Haynes King. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it became pretty apparent why Haynes King won the job. Uh Zach Calzada was thrown into a bad situation and right. they won the game, win your clunkers, but Little little concerned. I don't know but it's to answer the question, I don't know if it's a trap game because it's one of those things where if Haynes King stays upright, he stays on the field, Aiden probably runs away with it. Right. Yeah. But if the offense is suddenly not going to be able to score, they've got bigger issues. Mm-hmm. So what's next, Pickle?
0: And finally here in a super fun game, the question yeah. was will the neutral site location impact the outcome of Commerce Midwestern State? Again, that was at Choctaw Stadium in Arlington. Uh-huh. And uh uh, maybe. <laughs> this game
2: was exceptional. Uh, this game was a, a furious rally from Midwestern State. Um, to win
0: by one. <laughs> and to win
2: 31-30. to 30, uh, And in and, and a real upset, uh, mm-hmm. the 7th ranked team goes down um, an exceptional, exceptional win. A 23-point uh, uh, you know, rally to win this game. Uh, they took the lead 25 seconds left on a 5-yard touchdown pass from Dylan Sterling Cole. Spring-Westfield, uh, to Sam Hodges. Um, they take the lead w- with the extra point and win the game. Um, awfully impressive from from them. I don't know if the neutral side in, uh, location had an impact on this game, mm-hmm. but I think it was a cool scene. And I think really, that yeah. for, I'll just say this.
0: For from, a banger of a game, it's fun to do for that the lone, too. <laughs> for
2: the Lone Star Conference, this was a huge win for them because yep. they played at a, at a premier facility and they got a premier game out mm-hmm. of it. So that is your college football follow-up. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle. Dairy Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches across the state for the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Your Week 3 Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees Cleveland defensive, coordi- uh, defensive coordinator rather Nolan Mills, the Indians held Waller to just 42 yards rushing and forced a pair of turnovers as they took down their district rival 31-6, marking the first time in four years that Cleveland has n- uh, held an opponent without a touchdown. That's impressive. Yeah. Johnson City defensive coordinator Brian Jacobs, the Eagles are off to a 3-0 start, thanks in large part to the defense, which held Bernie Geneva to just five yards rushing and forced three turnovers in a 21-14 victory. Crandall Offensive Coordinator Kevin Brewer, the Pirates rang up an astonishing 700 yards of total offense, including seven total touchdowns from Jamonte Gordon-West at quarterback in a wild 68-42 win over Alvarado. And finally, San Antonio Burbank Offensive Coordinator Tyrell McCray, fueled by 349 yards and four touchdowns passing from quarterback Ramiro Salazar, the Bulldogs put on an offensive clinic against previously unbeaten San Antonio Kennedy, rolling up 521 yards in a 50-28 to 28 victory. So those are your... 50, 30. Anyway, those are your Week 3 Dairy Max built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Uh, Cleveland Defense Coordinator Nolan Mills, def, uh, Johnson City Defense Coordinator Brian Jacobs, Crandall Office Coordinator Kevin Brewer, and San Antonio Burbank Office Coordinator Tyrell McRae. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. Pickle, let's go to the hotline and let's bring in The Hall of Famer himself, you see him on High School School Scoreboard Live, on Friday nights on Valley Sports Southwest. You also hear him on the horn in Austin, where I'm sure everything's fine and all of the calls have been very normal and relaxed. We go to Craigway to confirm or deny whether or not the calls on his radio show have been very, very cool and even keeled.
3: If you ignore the <laughs> the smell of the smoldering buildings being burned, then then everything else is great. You know, it's it's fine. No, we're we're all good down here. We're 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 uh, uh, just uh, traversing through another another week, uh, and and it's a little bit different week. Any time as you know, when Texas comes off of a loss, especially one. Uh, where they were decisively beaten last Saturday night in Arkansas. So Tep, yeah, there's uh there was the the wailing and gnashing of teeth that happened after that for sure.
2: I have no doubt. Um let's talk a little bit about high school football from last week, which you know we we came into this uh last week thinking it's a little bit thinner slate, maybe not uh maybe it's gonna be uh, a week that you can fall asleep on. Uh certainly not the case with a number of big time results. Um I'll start in, I guess, a, a team in your backyard, but they came up to DFW and uh, and and took one on the chin. The Lake Travis Cavaliers uh, losing to Rockwall. Um, I'll pose it to you like this: Does this say more positive about Rockwall or more concerning about Lake Travis?
3: I think it's a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first of all, you can't ignore what Rockwall did and how impressive that effort was I had a Hank Carter on my show this morning and he was talking about how impressed. now at the same time he wasn't happy at all with how they played and he said fortunately his his guys came in uh, to practice or they came in the next morning and of course hit the practice field uh, on Monday morning at 5:30 in the morning when they do it and they were ready to go and he said they all had a bad taste in their mouth you know he said uh it's the the coaches have to have to kind of figure out the things that they didn't do right and he said and a lot of that had to do obviously defensively if you see what Rockwall did with its offense but he said uh, we kind of put our defense in some bad situations as well so uh, he said that's the that's the beauty of non-district world and you and I have talked about that Jeff you can get exposed for the things that uh, need attention and they've got some a uh, uh, need areas that need some attention before they get ready to play again this week to open district down at san marcus
2: uh, i want to give you a couple of of games that i would qualify as upsets from last week and i want to see how uh, which one surprised you uh maybe the most um Bushlands win over 49 4942 in overtime uh, decabs win over pilot point 29 28 which uh, literally blindsided us on <laughs> Valley Sports Southwest because I think that game was scheduled so late uh, or I'll throw at you um you know actually a, a guy that we had on our a guy that we had on our show yesterday Redwaters off to a three0 start they beat edgewood 36 to 14 which of those three upsets? Uh, springs to mind as far as uh surprise is concerned
3: well given the fact that you almost physically fell out of your chair when you <laughs> saw the result with canadian Bushline, i'll probably go with that mm-hmm. uh but they but they all kind of opened the eyes a little bit i'm I'm sure about that and then a great start for redwater uh to mention that but yeah i think i think it probably took people by surprise because normally we're not used to seeing well put it this way that folks aren't used to seeing Uh, a Chris Kenning team build out a huge lead and have it get away like that. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's – I remember us saying on the set, maybe there's more here that meets the eye and more to to delve into with that. But that that was probably the biggest eye-opener.
2: Talk with Craig Wade, the Texas High School football Hall of famer here on Texas football today get involved in the conversation hashtag tf today um all right then then there's one other kind of topic I want to to broach with you is that we are now kind of transitioning out of out of non district and into district play so it's our, kind of our the last embers of uh non district play are 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 smoldering and and so what I want to do is look at a few of these results across classifications and, and and I guess the, the broader question is how much how much weight do you put in a bigger team losing to a smaller team uh, or, or things like that, I, or, or maybe vice versa in a close game. I'll give you an example with Uless Trinity had like a comeback win and held off Colleyville Heritage, a, a 6A over a 5A Division one or, or other results where maybe you have a 5A up, uh, upset, quote-unquote, a 6A. Where do you stand as far as whenever a team plays up or punches down or however you want to pl- phrase it, um, putting that in the correct context, How where do you fall on these cross-classification battles?
3: Well, I think it falls into the two different categories, Tap, because one, we can see those, uh, as the old coaching phrase goes, interclassification classification battles, we can see those, uh you know it, it, you can you can mix a 4A against a 5A or a 5A against a, C, a 6A or a, a 3A against a 4A and the and and I'm less really made aware of the interdivisional matchups within a specific classification for example this week which I think is a really good matchup LBJ from Austin is going up to Liberty Hill on Thursday night mm-hmm. so uh that's that that goes to interclassification as opposed to just an interdivisional battle, and and we've seen interdivisional battles uh, happen within the same classification before. But I think it depends on the program. I, it, it it's nothing to us. I know it's nothing to you to see uh, Carthage as a 4A D2 team beat up on a 4A D1 team. It 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 doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter. I am curious to see how, you know, Cisco does against Jim Ned uh, this week. I think that's, a, that's one of the best matchups that I'm looking forward to seeing. That's an awful lot of fun. But, you know, until you – I think it depends on the matchup and on the team uh, before we say, wow, you know, be really impressed by that. Because some teams, th- the enrollments may be in the ballpark of one another. Then it comes down to – uh, how much tradition, how many kids do you have in the program before, whereas the overall student body, ADM or ADI, the, mm-hmm. AD, the average daily uh, attendance numbers that are turned into the UIL, might be a little bit deceptive depending on whether your program has tradition and has kids in the program and, and that sort of thing. So that's where that's where I think it's a little bit different than what we might see otherwise.
2: Well, I'll give you a perfect example, and it's right in your backyard. Let's talk Cedar Park. Okay, Cedar Park's one and two. Of course, they played in the title game last year, and that's not to say we didn't have questions about Cedar Park going into the year, losing Ryder Hernandez, et cetera. They had a lot to reload there uh, at Cedar Park and a new coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. They have two losses, but the losses are to Vandegrift and to Round Rock. Not only six A teams, but I think one could argue pretty darn good six A teams. So. With that particular example with Cedar Park, where do you fall on the scale of being worried about the Timberwolves being one and two?
3: Well, that that goes to your phrasing again, a perfect example, because Cedar Park, as a a high-enrollment 5A-D1 program, that has a lot of kids in the program uh, uh, a couple of state championships under the belt a, a long winning tradition uh, they've taken a couple body blows like this from area 6A program. the Vandegrift things a big rivalry they used to be they used to be pretty good rivals and of course Vandegrift continued to roll with its enrollment and get up to 6A so there's some rivalry involved with that and then uh, Round Rock has some huge numbers as we know and of course they had to rally. by the way Teff, and this would be a question for you we had somebody texting this morning asking how Round Rock is in the poll and Vandegrift isn't in the poll and 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 you know they always mm-hmm. throw out the old score comparison you know how Vandegrift put it all over Cedar Park and Round Rock needed a late touchdown to beat Cedar Park and said well first of all it's week three is different from week one mm-hmm. but Vandegrift has been impressive and I said but I said everybody has known going into this year that probably the two best teams in 26-6A or 25-6A in no particular order are Round Rock and Vandegrift. And I said, and by the way, uh, no matter what happens when they play at the end of the regular season – assuming they're both in the playoffs and it's a pretty safe assumption they're going to go their separate ways yeah. Round Rock's going to be D1 and Vandy's going to be D2 so uh, so we get to enjoy it for what it is in a possible district championship those are all those kind of great discussions that are fun to have I know you like to dive into them
2: sure and I can actually answer that person's question I would say that the reason that Vandegrift is ranked and Round Rock is not is because uh, yes they have a, a mutual opponent in, in Cedar Park they both get a win over those I would say that plain and simple Vandegrift has played a tougher schedule overall their other two wins are over Colleen Ellison and San Angelo Central including on the road which you know that's a long annoying road trip to go to to go to San Angelo whereas Round Rock uh, their other wins are to Hewitt, uh, Hewitt Midway who is a good name brand but is also owned three this year uh, and Belton you know what I mean so I would say that plain and simple the the resume for for vandergriff is a little stronger Round Rock's certainly on our radar especially after what they did last week and if Round Rock goes and they beat Cedar Ridge which I think that they will this week then maybe they can crawl into that ranking Anyway, one last question for Craig White, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, who joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. I'm going to do your favorite game, Craig, and I know you're going to get me back on Thursday, so I might as well just get the first blow in. I'm going to give you three games. You can teleport to one of them, and I'm going to give you three games, I believe, across different classifications. I think that's right. I think the, I mean, in fact, these are all cross-classification matchups. How about that? You can either okay. go to Highlander Stadium... And watch the aforementioned Rockwall Yellow Jackets take on Highland Park, uh, where they've only lost twice since 1998. Or you can go to Tuscola and watch Jim Ned take on Cisco in a matchup of unbeaten's. Or you can go to the Golden Triangle and you can watch Newton and West Orange Stark. Which of those three are you going to teleport to?
3: Wow, those are all. Oh, really good. <laughs> yeah. Those are really, really good. And that's not good. even to
2: mention, by the way, a task seed in Geyer, which is going on this weekend, too.
3: True, true. Poth and Shiner mm-hmm. perhaps deserves a, some mention uh, as well. Um, you know, I, I, I would probably, uh, I love the triangle. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great match. I would probably lean a little bit toward Jim Ned Cisco because uh, uh, Cisco, as we know, is a punishing 2-A-D-1, but you have a defending state champion 3-A-D-1. So, how does Cisco measure up? And that, and I brought that example up earlier. I think that's a great one there, but gosh, how can you say no also to Newton-West Orange Stark? Oh. That's an awful lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that Newton-West Orange Stark game is going to be interesting because I feel like we'll learn a lot about both those teams. He is Craig Way. He's a Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. You can hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday, and you can see him on Valley Sports Southwest on High School Scoreboard Live 11 p.m. Uh, Central Time uh, on Valley Sports Southwest alongside Rick Renner and myself. Craig, appreciate your time and I imagine I'll be talking to you soon.
3: It's looking forward to it.
2: Thanks. There he goes. Craig White, Texas High School football Hall of Famer joins us here on Texas Football Today every Tuesday. Tuesday. We are Texas Football Today. I'm just powering through that. Texas Football <laughs> Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Campbells, And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber at TexasFootball.com. That'd be super rad of you if you did that. Did you see the tweet I sent out yesterday? I sent out a lot of tweets.
0: No. Well, I mean, I saw a tweet. So, so, I,
2: so I guess it was Will sent
0: oh, out the thing uh, about the, the, yeah. chicken,
2: the chicken fried steak. Yeah, fantastic, It was like, it was like chicken way. fried steak with like a flag in it and the flags said Dave Campbell's. Um, I just, my my wife brought up, she goes, you know, my dad, her dad's a banker. And she said, you know, my dad, whenever somebody would come in and they would open an account, they would give them an apple pie. It's like a, they're kind of a small town bank. Um, and that, was, a, that was evident by her, the uh, yeah, apple pie. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, questions, questions that don't need to be asked. Um, but she goes, what if you guys, with every subscriber, like you just sent them a chicken fried steak? And that is not the worst marketing plan I've ever heard.
0: Pretty darn good. I would say it's on brand. F- has your thinking cap on. That.
2: Dave Campbell's Texas Football is proud to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with this honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 3 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Matt Meekins from Spring Westfield. Coach Meekins' Mustangs embraced the underdog role this week against fourth-ranked North Shore and controlled the game from start to finish to earn a huge 27-21 win, serving notice to the Houston area that Westfield is indeed a force to be reckoned with in 2021. In 5A, Frank Sandoval from West Mesquite. In his second season leading the Wranglers, Coach Sandoval's squad made major strides improving to 2-1 on the season with a convincing 57-36 win over Saginaw-Chisholm Trail. In 4A, Russell Lucas from Sweetwater. Coach Lucas earned his first win as head coach at Sweetwater as the Mustangs took down San Angelo Lakeview 47-20 for the program's historic 700th win in program history. Sammy Ball, going crazy. (laughs) In 3A... Josh Reynolds from Bushland. Coach Reynolds' Falcons pulled off the comeback uh, of, the, of the weekend in Texas high school football, rallying from a 35-7 halftime deficit to, uh, uh, to defending 3A Division 2 state champion Canadian 49-42 in overtime. In 2A, Ruben Torres from Marlin. First-year head coach Ruben Torres has come to Central Texas from El Paso and starting to turn this once-proud program into a force again as the Bulldogs to 2-1 the season with 34-29 win over Valley Mills. In 1A, Ken Davis from Lingleville. The Cardinals wrote a second-quarter search that saw them outscore Blanket 30 to nothing in, the, in, a, in a remarkable upset over previously unbeaten Tigers, 60-12. In the private school race, Greg McClendon from Midland Christian. Longtime coach McClendon reached a special milestone on a Friday, 200 career wins with an emphatic 47-22 win over Bernie. Congratulations to coach McClendon. Those are your week three Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. For more information, visit texasfootball.com pickle there's high school football action all across the state this weekend big time plays big time playmakers guys going nuts yes all sorts of craziness <laughs> and it was your job to narrow it down to 10 plays which is a difficult job now you know how i feel with the player of the week thing it is right? a difficult job it's tough here it is presented by our friends at body armor the dave campbell's texas football top 10 plays of the week from body armor the snap fakes the handoff, Both looking, Both
1: throws to the end
3: zone, diving catch, touchdown Isaac Norris, what a play. It's going to be another play action and a high pass intercepted, it's a wide open lane to the 45, to the 40, that's number three, to the 20, and he's still on his feet, cuts it inside, five, Touchdown! <laughs>
2: Fake. Looking, firing one deep on the second pass of the game. It's caught in stride. Matthew Ogren could go all the way. A 99-yard touchdown, and that's how it's going to go.
1: Four down territory. Oshigara back to pass. Looking across the middle. Intercepted. Taken at the 20.
3: 25, 30, 40. Now to the 50, down the sideline. Wants to go all the way. Got one man trying to chase him down, and that is a score.
2: Three. They got to go 77 yards in the next 33 seconds if they want to have a chance to tie Parks looks to throw. Rolls out, fires one, and it's intercepted. His third pick of the game could be a pick six, and it will be. Touchdown, Falcons.
1: session play fake dumps it out Chase will catches it in the fly he's gonna pull and throw wide open down the field keith wheeler will make the catch and take it in touchdown Tascasita a bit of trickery drawn up okay. give it the
3: ball lady and love lady will keep going 25 20 15 10 5 touchdown the love lady uh- Face. Justice just heard breaks tackles and is on his way 20 15 gets the last block and he'll score
2: much for the watching Dave that Campbell's vid- Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week presented by our friends at Body Armor. You can see that on our YouTube channel. I think it's on our social media channels as well. Make sure you go check that out. And remember, if you've got a play that you think should be top 10 worthy, tweet it to us. Hashtag DCTF Top 10. Hashtag DCTF Top
0: 10. Yeah, people have been doing, shout out y'all, who've been doing a good job uh, getting those over to us. But yeah, keep it up. It, it makes it fun. It yeah. is fun to get to go through all those different yeah, plays. <laughs>
2: exactly right. All right, Pickle, one last thing to do today on this very very bv show and that is to wrap up our trip to el paso so with about 12 minutes of nonsense (laughs) the the dave campbell's texas football crew packed up got on planes flew to el paso last week for el Paso for a a wonderful trip to the sun city Uh, had an awesome time but don't take my word for it here's the week three vlog from dave campbell's texas football on texas football today
1: So we're here at the airport. There's Will Wilkerson. As me and Will are here early at the airport and the slackers, notably Greg Tepper and Ashley Pickle, are nowhere to be found. Do you think they're gonna make the flight, Will? No,
0: absolutely
1: not. All right, well, they'll be sad when they miss out on El Paso because we are gonna get our we're gonna eat our weight in good food. There you go. We made it to the airport. You know what? Tepper's right here questioning what we're doing.
0: we did have to leave Ish behind. We
2: did. Cause uh somebody didn't have pre-check.
0: Bruh. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? You're ready.
2: Is that TV's very own, Greg Tepper? I got Alright, no no no, no autograph. <laughs> we
0: made it
1: All right, we're here in El Paso, and it is time to feed the gut. The crew is having dinner at Carlos and Mickey's, Los Bandidos Carlos and Mickey's, with our good friend, Coach Patrick Melton from El Paso Americas High School. All right, we got green chili chicken enchiladas. My boy Will got the green beef enchiladas here. Ish with the flautas. Tepper goes al pastor, pickle with the chili relleno. The DCTF crew is about to grow up with Coach Melton. All right, the DCTF crew is headed out for a day on the town in El Paso. Our fearless leader, Will Wilkerson, is driving us around, and Pickle is backseat driving. So. Let's roll. Time for lunch on Thursday, and the DCTF crew is headed to l Cafe for what we hope is good food. There's Will and Ish walking in. We're about to get our grub on. And of course, pickle in the house. Hello. All right, the DCTF crew is about to grub. I got steak enchiladas. Will got the ground beef enchiladas. Pickle and Ish went with the huevos rancheros. Basic Tepper went with steak tacos. tacos are good. Get a little scenic view of El Paso and the scenic drive. Alright y'all, the DCTF crew has arrived at El Paso High School for the Thursday night game of the week. El Paso High and Socorro. It's the Lady on the Hill. It's one of the most iconic Texas High School football stadiums in the state. Jones Stadium, and our own Greg Tepper is going to get to experience it for the first time. It's going to be a cool night.
3: Holy, Ismail, Matt, and Greg. Welcome to Via Paco High School and historic RR Jones Stadium. We hope you enjoy your visit.
1: Six to two. Early. The second quarter. So El Paso High has hooked us up with an amazing halftime meal with homemade tacos, rice, and beans. Greg Tepper, noted taco expert, what is your take on the pre- tacos that El Paso High has fed us today? These are the first words Pickle has said since she got the food. So. How's the gut feeling?
0: Because mm-hmm.
2: you know, he's having a baby. He's awesome. That's oh. oh. the kicker. Picks up and good. Oh.
1: Yes, it was, man. (laughs) Come on, Brian! Listen up! How's that feel? I've been waiting for this
3: since March 8th,
1: 2019, when I first met you guys. You guys been busting your butt. It took a while to believe, and this is what happens when you truly believe, and you truly love, and you truly trust. Keep believing, keep loving, keep trusting. Got me? We now get parting words from Jones Stadium from DCTF Managing Editor Gregory Tepper.
2: This is the best high school football stadium in America. And I don't really think there's much of a debate. Um, This place is magic. And if you can ever get to El Paso, go to an El Paso high school football game, uh, you owe it to yourself. And and I would be remiss if I did not mention, the people here are unbelievable. You want to talk about the Texan spirit, the spirit of kindness, the spirit of of helping people out, the, the welcoming spirit of Texas. It is in full bloom here in El Paso. Come to El Paso, go to a game here at RR Jones Stadium. I promise you you will not regret it. Sign the bottom of the screen like the audience.
0: It is day three out here in El Paso. We are at Silver Fox Stadium and uh, doing a little something different today. Telling a story that's a little bit bigger than the game of football. These trees that you see here, Marcus back there, getting some footage of them, uh, were planted in honor and memory of the 23 lives lost in 2019 from the El Paso Walmart shooting. So uh, excited to, to share this story and a very big gesture here from El Paso Jefferson.
1: All right, y'all. We're here for our first game of the day. Four o'clock Mountain Time. Tick off between East Lake and Parkland here at the SAC. It's a hot day, but we're gonna get some work done. Let's go. That is one swole falcon right there. That's a swole falcon from East Lake. Got the Riverside Ranger in the house. Riverside's taking this one, right? There you go. Go Rangers. All
0: right, guys. The
1: pre-game action here in El Paso with the Riverside Rangers. We're about to take on the Isleta game games. The homecoming game. A battle of 2-0 and o teams about to go down. Let's go. Now this is my kind of concession stand right here, y'all. Got the man over there frying up some churros right there. Got some kettle corn, some chips, drink, all good.
0: So I missed it earlier because I was doing a hit, but you see this big old red heart here on the field of Silver Fox Stadium. Well, it's because there is a children's hospital right there. And in between the first and second quarter, the entire Jefferson team lines up on the end zone right back here behind me. And they wave to the children in the El Paso Children's Hospital. So super, super cool gesture here from the Silver Foxes.
2: It's halftime out here at uh, Prestonwood Christian Garland has a 34 to 14 lead and it's been the Jordan Hudson show here in the first half. Eight catches for 96 yards, three touchdowns. One of them was miraculous. I missed the the video on it. I pushed pause uh, instead of play, so my bad on that one, but it was a great catch uh, over the top of the Prestonwood Christian defender. The SMU commit is looking mighty strong in this one.
1: Our jealous Saturday afternoon, the DCTF crew is back from our weekend in El Paso, and I am back in the DFW Metroplex at beautiful Kincaid Stadium in Dallas, as we will have the South Dallas Super Bowl kicking off at 6 o'clock Saturday evening, as old rivals Dallas Madison and Dallas Lincoln will do battle for bragging rights on the South in South Dallas.
3: Hey, thanks for watching this clip here on YouTube. Week
2: three vlog. We won't we won't run it on TFT every. We do a weekly vlog. It'll be on our YouTube channel every week. But mm-hmm. we don't. We're not going to always run it. But because of our trip, And because this one was so special, we had to do it. So, uh, thanks once again to all the folks who made this trip possible. Um, especially Ray Aguilar Jr. and the wonderful staff there at El Paso High School uh, to get get us out there, give us an excuse to go out there. Um, it was great. It was awesome. It's a great time. And as I mentioned before, I'll be a broken record again. If you can ever get out to El Paso, uh, what it. I what I would recommend, and I don't know, I, I, there's got to be one weekend coming up here that it's like, what I would do is I would find a way to do a game at Jones. Mm-hmm.
0: And a UTEP game. And a
2: UTEP game. Yep. And you just make that a whole football weekend out there. Yeah. Eat good. Just have a great time. Um, do it. Do it. So we appreciate our friends out there in El Paso. Go to Roses. We'll be back soon. <laughs> uh, let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Okay.
0: Uh brr. oh, do you know when the pickem will be updated?
2: Yes. Cool. It'll be updated today. It's gonna do it for <laughs> us. Thanks for nice spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Craig White, the Hall of Famer, for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper, Vince Young. Please can get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today we uh-huh.